This is episode 63 with marathoners, coaches, and the duo behind Marathon Training Academy, Angie and Trevor Spencer. This episode is for all the marathoners out there, especially those of you thinking of running your first marathon. This is your host, Jason Fitzgerald, and today I'm speaking with Angie and Trevor Spencer. You might have heard of them. They have one of the most popular running podcasts in all of iTunes called Marathon Training Academy, and their website and blog has the same name. They help runners of all abilities run marathons faster for the first time or without injuries. They do it all. And today, we're going to be going over all of the mistakes to avoid and the strategies and tactics that will ensure you have a successful and enjoyable marathon. But before we dive in, I want to thank one of our listeners named Maxine for leaving a really thoughtful review on Apple Podcasts. She wrote, super professional podcast with high production values, well-researched interviews, and lately an impressive lineup of guests. Jason's no-nonsense approach to running and fitness is a welcome addition to my subscription list. I'd like to hear him co-host more episodes. I enjoy listening to runners shooting the breeze. Maxine, first I greatly appreciate the kind words. That really made my day, and I'm grateful you took the time to review the Strength Running Podcast. And second, thank you for the recommendation. I love uh, hearing what you all like listening to so that I can do more of those types of episodes. So in this case, I'll definitely have another host on with me to take a bunch of questions and shoot the breeze. If you'd like to review the podcast and make a suggestion, I would greatly appreciate that and your efforts. Just go on to Apple Podcasts and leave an honest review. All right, everyone, without further ado, please welcome Angie and Trevor to the show. Trevor and Angie, thanks for being on the podcast today. Thanks, Jason. It's great to be here. Great to be here. Thanks, Jason. So I'm really excited about this conversation because I think one of the things that we have in common is that we both work with and interact with a lot of runners on a daily basis. So we have this really interesting front row seat to how runners think and behave about running. And, you know, it's probably one of the most interesting parts of my job. And so today we are going to talk about the marathon and more specifically how to tackle it as a relative beginner. And uh, so I think it's going to be interesting with your background and you have some experience with uh, running a marathon as a complete beginner, don't you, Trevor? Oh, definitely. I feel like I still do that, even though I've run 14 marathons now. Uh, it wasn't that long ago I was a desk potato. I won't use the word couch potato because I do like to hike and do team sports, but I spent a lot of time sitting. I was in full-time ministry, which required a lot of, you know, I was pastoring a small church and I worked with at-risk teenagers. So I did a lot of counseling. I did a lot of sermon prep, which involved a lot of sitting. And one thing I knew is that I hated running going way back to when I was a kid and I just straight refused to run the mandatory mile. The public schools in California made every kid do, a, I think, a mile in seventh grade. I just straight up refused. So I hated running with a passion. Well, Angie and I, after we got married, you know, she her example of just fitness and and being a runner eventually rubbed off on me. So I um, ran my first, I think, I don't even think I started with a 5K. I ran a 12K as my first race. And then Angie challenged me to do a half marathon, which I trained for. I did the Little Rock half marathon. And after I finished that, I finished in 202. So around the middle of the pack, my feet felt like they were just pulverized. Like someone had held me upside down 
and slapped the bottom of my feet with a boat oar. I mean, that's <laughs> that's how it felt. And I thought, there's no way I could run a marathon. I mean, I thought how- I was going to have to carry him to our hotel because he was yeah. like limping along, like sitting down every five seconds. <laughs> and what's even more pathetic is that in that same race, Angie did the full marathon, or you just had a baby. I yeah, I'd had a baby five months previously. I okay, had our third what- son, so I was postpartum. It was my first marathon coming back from that's from right. the pregnancy. So you know, it and all then, blends together. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, my, my wife is six months postpartum right now and, uh, I can't imagine her running a marathon. So props to you. That is just incredible. Um, (laughs) congrats to you guys. Yeah. Well, so we were already doing the podcast by then. And part of the appeal of the show was I was a total novice runner, just getting into it. People could really relate to that. And we were just keeping it real. And I was, I, I described my first race and all the gory details. Well, people, that follow the show were saying, okay, Trev, now when are you going to do a full marathon? So I eventually did decide to take the plunge. I signed up for my first marathon and it was, it was the hardest physical thing that I've ever done to get through that first marathon. I finished in 4:32, I think. Um, and Angie helped pace me. I think she was like running backwards part of the time, like saying, come on, come on. <laughs> Sure, that made you it's feel good. Te- it's a real test of a marriage to pace your uh, partner uh, during a marathon. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> We've never done it again. <laughs> Part of the reason why I, I wanted to do it, Jason, is there was a question in my head, and that was, can I learn to like what I hate currently? Can I retrain my brain? And the answer is yes, you can do that. You can learn to love, in fact, what you can't stand right now. So, you know, I used to hate running, and now it's definitely a big part of my identity and I can't, can't imagine myself not being a runner. It's so interesting, right? One of these things that just like me, I hated running as a kid. And then all of a sudden I was a three season runner in high school it was, and it happened yeah. almost immediately. And now <laughs> I can't imagine my life without running. So it's just incredible to see how much your life can be impacted by one seemingly minor decision to run your first marathon, to go out for the cross country team as a freshman in high school, like I did. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm glad that you. Uh, I'm glad that you did it. How was your training like before your first marathon? Was it was it stellar and perfect, or uh, or not? That's a good question. It was hit and miss because I tend to be a lazy runner, so I think I skipped a lot of cross training and strength training. We just had you on our show to talk about strength training and the importance of it. I don't think I did any strength training, even though all of that was called for in the plan that Angie had designed. It's not like she was standing over my shoulder to, you know, enforce, uh, that I did it, but you know, so I was doing the best that I could with the amount of motivation and laziness that I had at the time. So I would say, um, I could have trained a lot better for it, but the long runs were there. I think I got the long runs in and man, the, the first time you run 20 miles, that is just a huge milestone. And you feel like you have this superpower, you know, like, I can't believe I ran that far. It's, it's just such a great feeling. It's still, it's still amazing to run that far to me. I mean, I've done it lots of times now, but 20 miles is a long way to run. I think we live in a society that we try to, you know, people like will circle the block for 10 minutes trying to find the closest parking space or, you know, take the elevator instead of the stairs. And everything about our culture is for convenience and ease. And so when you decide to become a marathoner and, and put yourself through that training, it's like you're going against all these cultural norms. You know, you 
like running 20 miles, like who does that to themselves? <laughs> you have <laughs> to, you know, you really have that singular focus. And, and a lot of times, you know, the, the friends who are not runners who don't understand, it's like, I don't even drive that in my car. You know, you hear all the, all the jokes and everything. So it's, you know, it's really going against the, yeah. our, our culture of ease and convenience and, you know, challenging yourself in a whole new way. My brother-in-law will frequently ask me how far I ran, and then he will reply, that's why they invented cars. So, <laughs> I've heard that one too. I often think of the popularity of distance running exploding in the 70s, almost as a backlash to our culture becoming so convenient, uh, because mm. you know we can almost not leave our houses today. You know, you can get everything delivered to your house, you can order anything online, you can work remotely, and next thing you know it's like that movie wally where you just never move you're always sitting down and so i think it's a great thing that runners are getting into distance running at in higher and higher numbers today you know i consider the marathon when i think about it to be a really challenging event you know just because of its sheer distance you know you need a lot mm -hmm. of physiological tools to really run it well. So it's not something that I love seeing beginners tackle, you know, before they've built up some of the fitness and some of the speed beforehand. But, you know, with that said, I think it can be done as long as we're being careful with the training. And so I want to spend some time talking about being careful or in other words, avoiding training mistakes. Um, and I know that both of you have coached hundreds, if not thousands of, of marathoners over the years. So when you look at all of the marathoners that you've coached over this long period of time, what do you think might be the one or two biggest mistakes that beginners are making when they're trying to tackle the marathon? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is having the wrong motivation. And you might think, well, you know, what could be the wrong motivation? Well, a lot of times people get into it for the wrong reasons. Um, so I hear a lot of people say, well, so-and-so, you know, my friend pressured me into running a marathon or I'm running a marathon to lose weight or I'm, I'm doing it because it's going to be fun, you know, and not to discount those reasons, but <laughs> you know, there are going to be times in your training when it's not fun. And if you're not careful, people do gain weight while, while training for a marathon and you may end up hating that person who pressured you into it. So, you know, really having the right motivation to start out with is going to help you avoid a lot of mistakes along the way. Um, for one thing, you're going to look at it, like you said, as laying a solid foundation instead of just kind of like a let's hurry up and cram for this marathon. You know, we see a lot of people like, oh, I'm going to do my first marathon in 12 weeks. And, you know, they're just starting to train. And it may work out okay. They may survive. You know, hopefully they survive. They're not going to have a good experience and they're probably going to get injured along the way. So we always tell people don't cram for a marathon. Take that time to build a solid running base um, and, and incorporate some of those things like strength training and really learning how to train smart is going to help you to go the distance and have a better time doing it. Um, so those are a couple of things I, I think um, when I think of beginners is having that right motivation because that motivation is going to help you do the right thing when it's not easy. And and then also, you know, not trying to rush the process and realizing that, you know, you, you have to do you. You can't be comparing yourself to other people. Uh, I see a lot of people who, especially for a first marathon and they're they're pretty new to running, you know, they want to set a really aggressive time goal and that often doesn't turn out very well for them either because they're either going to skip steps in the process, push themselves too hard, 
And if it doesn't work out for them, if they don't hit that particular time they were aiming for, it can be a lot of disillusionment and disappointment with the process and can kind of end up being that one and done. And that wasn't the greatest experience. So, you know, those are some things that come to mind quickly for me. One of the things I like about having my own podcast is that I can go completely off topic. And so that's what I'm going to do right now. <laughs> you mentioned something that I want to hit on a little bit. And you said your motivation for running a marathon could be uh, misplaced. And one of the mo- those motivations was I'm running a marathon to lose weight. And you also mentioned that runners very frequently put on weight when they're marathon training. I want to talk about that a little bit because I, I do see that a lot, too. So many runners want to use marathon training as their weight loss training, right? but it very frequently doesn't work. And in my view, it's not the type of training you want to do if your goal is weight loss. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that is exactly right. Um, And I think, you know, many of us started running. Um, I know personally, when I was in my teens and early 20s, I did run because I thought I needed to lose weight. And so that, you know, obviously you're doing this cardiovascular exercise and you get see it touted in the media as the most efficient way to lose weight. So running and you think, OK, well, the more running I do, such as in marathon training, the more weight I should lose. And often, you know, people don't realize that the more you run, the more you exercise, the hungrier you get. So then you tend to compensate by eating more and often you're tired and maybe short on time. So you don't, you're not really intentional about the types of foods you're eating. There's a lot of the convenience type foods. Um, maybe you crave salty or sugar, sugary things, and those are not giving you the most nutritional bang for your buck. They're just you know, adding extra weight. And so I see a lot of people, they're like, what is going on? I've started training for this marathon and I've put on 10 or 15 pounds. This is not what I signed up for. And they don't realize that diet has more to do with weight loss than actually exercise does. So yeah, that's a very common misconception. Abs are made in the kitchen, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. When I think about weight loss, you know, the, the things that are going to make you actually accomplish your weight loss goals are, you know, strength training, running, but it's the type of running that you're doing that's really important. And if you want to structure a running program that's optimized for weight loss, I think it's good to have a long run in there. But generally speaking, it doesn't have to be 20 miles. You're probably not going to do the same weekly mileage for weight loss. Um, you're going to be doing more intensity and it's that intensity that is going to really help with your weight loss goals. But I think at the end of the day, 80% of any weight loss effort is going to be much more dependent upon your diet than, uh, than based on what you're doing out on the road or in the weight room. So that was our little detour on our marathon podcast. I want to get back to (laughs) some of the mistakes and, Angie, you mentioned rushing your training, basically cramming for a marathon. We can cram for exams. I don't know if cramming for a marathon is the best idea. Uh, this is probably the number one mistake that, that I see. And it's interesting. I got some pushback when I published uh, an article a couple years ago asking, are you really ready to start training for a marathon? And I basically said, you know, if you have 18 to 20 weeks to train for a marathon, you need to be comfortable running 10 miles. If you're not comfortable running 10 miles, you're probably not ready to even start training for a marathon, never mind ready to run one. And so that, you know, I got, I got a little bit of pushback from that. People are like, well, if it's a goal I have, I should be able to work toward it. 
Of course. But look, I'm a coach. I'm going to tell you the the ideal way to do things, the best way to do it so that you're not only going to be able to accomplish your goals, but you're going to be able to do it safely without a lot of injuries. Have you have you noticed that runners in terms of another training error that they frequently make? Have you noticed that runners do speed work that is either too demanding or is not periodized appropriately for the marathon? I tend to find that most um, beginner runners who are not following a specific plan, you know, it's geared toward their fitness level, often have one speed for running. And they tend to do all their running kind of like in a, a mid to high zone three heart rate. And so they're not really easy running. They're not doing those easy recovery runs. And they're not really doing the fitness specific speed work. They're just kind of running all their runs at the same pace and they're wondering why they're not improving or, you know, maybe finding some injury or under recovery issues because, you know, like I said, they're, they're just not um, hitting their training appropriately. And, and, you know, maybe also they're, they're trying to overdo it with other fitness classes or in the weight room perhaps. And so I find that a lot of people in the beginning, they're gung ho with it and they don't really realize that they need to balance their training like that. And they don't realize they need rest days. They need to listen to their body. And there's other factors that go into getting faster and, and becoming a stronger runner like sleep and nutrition and, and all those things that are, you know, not so sexy, I guess. <laughs> we see that a lot though. <clears throat> it's amazing through the years. Um, how many runners have come to us who are just kind of on the edge of burnout you know, injuries have started to develop and we ask them, how many days a week are you running? And, and they're beginners and they're like, well, five days, six days a week sometimes. And at what effort are you doing your runs? And they're pushing hard every run because they feel like they're not making gains unless they go out and do that. If they're not PR in every run, you know, then something must be wrong. And they reach these plateaus in their training and their fitness and, you know, sometimes tend to slip backwards because, they're not, you know, challenging their body appropriately and they're not taking that recovery time. Yeah, I see that all the time too. And it, it, it's funny when I write training plans for runners, uh, a frequent question I get is why are you slowing me down so much? And then also at the same <laughs> time, why are you making me run so fast on in these <laughs> given workouts? So what I'm doing is I'm basically slowing them down for 80% of their running, but you know, one day a week, maybe two, we're going to be doing some faster running that is a lot faster than what they're currently used to. And, you know, this really kind of hits on the training principle of make your hard days hard and your easy days easy. And you're definitely right. I mean, I see runners who are running all of their runs basically at almost of a tempo or lactate threshold effort. Uh, maybe not quite that fast, but, you know, it's more of a steady state or moderate effort. And in Jack Daniels' book, I think it's just Daniels' running formula, um, mm -hmm. he calls this gray zone training. Now, I think any pace can have an appropriate spot in a training plan, depending on how you're doing it and you know how it's structured. But when you're just doing all of your runs at a moderate effort and you're just kind of pushing a little bit, you know, you're not getting the recovery you need when you're sore or tired, and you're not really giving your body the chance to go through the adaptation process because you're not stressing yourself as much as you need to. It's just a little bit of stress. It's not, it's like a lukewarm stress. It's just not sufficient enough. You know, I'll say too, the other, the other training mistake that I've seen a lot with many runners is that, you know, they're 
14, 15 weeks out from the marathon, and they're on the track running eight times 400 at like their mile race pace. And I'm just thinking to myself, how is that really specific to the marathon? How is that helping you? How is that building the physiological tools that you need to succeed at the marathon? Can we let's transition a little bit from mistakes to okay, how do we ensure that we don't make these mistakes? What can we do in our training to really get from to get to the starting line as safely as we can? Well, I think it comes back to first mindset again. So, you know, what is your goal for your running, for your training? And, you know, I encourage my clients and runners I come in contact with to have the goal of being a strong, healthy runner for life. So it's about more, it's, it's more about being, you know, just your best at any one race. It's about building a strong, healthy body, a strong functional body. And so to approach your training from that standpoint, um, so, you know, don't be a one and done and, you know, get injured in the process kind of thing, have that motivation. And so take the time that you need to build that solid running base, to incorporate strength work, uh, to take those rest days, to get the sleep that you need. Um, and to realize that, Everyone has fears and anxieties about the process. And like you said earlier, I think when we have fear and anxiety, it's kind of like, well, we need to do more because that makes us feel like, okay, you know, we're checking all the boxes and, you know, more is more, right? But often with training and improving and having a solid first marathon, you really need to be doing maybe not less, but you need to be doing it in appropriate ways. And so following a smart training plan that is really works for your level. I see a lot of people who just download a plan off the internet and, you know, boom, they're running six days a week and all they're doing is running. So, you know, really, really doing the right amount of mileage and days per week for your body. And I think another important thing is that you catch small issues early So, you know, if you have those niggles or those problems that crop up, don't ignore them and think that you can just run through them and everything's going to be all right. Mm -hmm. Um, In most cases, everything's not going to be all right if you continue to marathon train through an injury. Um, So so really take the time to look back, you know, and look back maybe on your running log. Why, you know, why you're getting this injury? Is it, you know, an issue with your shoes? Is it an issue with the type of surfaces that you're running on continually? Is it because you've been neglecting your strength work? Is it because you're running too many days a week? You know, look back and kind of try to track any trends that you can see. And then, you know, take that recovery time. It's better to miss a couple of runs to take care of an issue in the beginning than it is to just try to power through and get closer to your race and not even be able to get to the starting line because you've got a full-blown injury on your hands. So I would say, you know, the successful first-time marathoners, they they see the problems early and they address them. And that may mean getting to a sports medicine doctor, it may mean going to a physical therapist, may mean, you know getting a coach that can just really kind of hold your hand a little bit more and design a plan that's more tailored towards your level. There's so much in there that I want to dive into. Uh, Angie, that was gold. More than worth the price of admission here. Um, (laughs) Let's talk about how a runner knows whether a plan is appropriate. You know, you kind of use the example of a runner downloads a plan online. Next day, they're, you know, the next week they're running six days a week. How do we know if a plan is going to be appropriate for us? Like, what do we look for? Well, I think it helps to know yourself as a runner. You know, how think about how long you've been running. 
um, what is your running base? So, you know, if you're only, if you're running three days a week and your average mileage is maybe 15 miles a week, then you don't want to jump into a plan that's going to have you running 40 miles a week right out the gate. That's not an appropriate progression. So you really need to start out with less is more. And I often recommend beginners or people who are uh, maybe masters runners who struggle with injury or, you know, overtraining or under recovery type issues to start out with a training plan that has them running every other day. Um, because I find that a lot of the back to back, if they're, especially if they're doing too many hard days in a row, they just don't get that recovery time. So it may be good in the beginning just to be running three to four days a week. Um, and, if you look, you know, a lot of the plans and you hear the elite runners, they're running a hundred plus miles per week, or, you know, we kind of play that comparison game. We see all these perfect, what looks like perfect people and perfect runners on Instagram or Facebook. And, you know, they've, they've got this, all their runs look amazing. All their runs look amazing. You know, they never really show us the the dark side of, of running. They all live in Boulder, Colorado. (laughs) You know, they're, they're running (laughs) every single day of sunshine. Yeah. It looks like they're hitting it hard running every single day. And it's easy to kind of compare ourselves and think, well, I'm only running three days a week. You know, I'm, obviously not cut out for this running thing or I'm a loser, but you just realize that it, it, you have to progress. And I made the same mistake when I was training for my first marathon. I knew nothing. I didn't know any other runners. Um, yeah, I didn't know anyone who'd ever run a marathon actually. And so I just downloaded a plan off the internet. I just, just ran, you know, a free plan. Yeah. Free plan. I didn't do any, (laughs) any strength work. I didn't do any cross training. And I think I fell into the trap of, you know, pretty much doing the same effort every single run. And so I wasn't. You were running like five days a week, weren't you? I, I think so. And, you know, very soon I had IT band issues crop up. I had lower back pain. I just, you know, had all the expected things when you don't know what you're doing and you're not training appropriately. And I did, was able to finish my first marathon. But then I had like a six month process after that of having to rehab my IT band sounds like something similar to what you went through. Um, and I realized that I couldn't continue with what I was doing and be able to be a strong, healthy runner for life. And so I had to add in the strength work and the cross training for me, adding in yoga was very beneficial because it was such a different thing from running and it created a lot of body awareness. I could figure out where my weak areas were and start to work on those things. And so that kind of led me to more of a less is more approach for beginners. Um, and you know, a lot of times people will be able to progress up to those more challenging training plans. But if you try to do that right out of the gate, often you'll get injured and it's going to be a very disheartening experience. And, and that's not what we want for people who are taking on the huge challenge of training for their first marathon. Right. And for those runners, if it's your first marathon, even if it's not your first, but you might have had trouble with the marathon in the past, I think it's always a really great idea to uh, get some guidance. You know, maybe maybe that's not, you know, as uh, strong as getting a coach, but someone who's run some marathons, a trusted resource just to guide you in the right direction so that you're not making a lot of these huge mistakes. It's going to save you potentially the marathon itself, but a lot of injury and heartache and frustration along the way. Um, One of the things that you said that I want to just reiterate a little bit was that, you know, the first week or two of a marathon plan, uh, you know, it should be 
relatively similar, I think, to what you're currently doing as a runner. So, you know, if you're running three days a week for 15 miles, like you mentioned, Angie, don't start on a plan that has you running five days a week for 40 miles. Uh, so that's a general rule that I like to use for uh, marathoners and not really beginners, but really any marathoner. If you're starting a marathon plan, the first week should be relatively easy. It should not be substantially uh, higher volume or more intensity than what you're currently doing because the plan will progress from there. It's only going to get more difficult. So don't make it harder than it has to be by starting at a level that you're already you know, struggling to complete. So I think that's really important. Um, Angie, the other thing that I'm hearing from kind of your description of your first marathon experience and uh, how to avoid some of those mistakes is that Running is only one part of your job as a marathoner in training. You've talked about everything from nutrition to sleep to strength training to yoga, cross training. And I think what this speaks to is the fact that we have to think of ourselves as athletes that specialize in running, not as just runners. So you need to work on functional flexibility and strength and coordination, general athleticism, all the things that... uh, other athletes who might be engaged in team sports are doing all the time. And, you know, they might not directly use those skills in a game of basketball, for example, just like we might not be doing a deadlift in mile 12 of a marathon. But (laughs) that doesn't mean that it's not going to make us better runners. And if we're not good athletes, we're never going to be good runners. I think that's a great point. And I think that comes back to mindset in a way is because I know when I came into long distance running, I did not think of myself as an athlete. Um, I had never played team sports growing up. I had no hand-eye coordination. So I didn't feel like an athlete. I didn't feel like a runner. And so starting the process of seeing myself as an athlete and as a runner was really formative in taking care of my body appropriately and training appropriately. Because like you said, if you see yourself as an athlete, then you need to be doing those things to make you a successful athlete. Um, And I think a lot of times when people are first starting out as runners, uh, maybe, you know, training for their first 5k or half marathon or marathon, they have a lot of anxiety and fear that they're not a real runner. And I know I felt that I didn't feel like I had like earned my real runner status or something. And I remember showing up to my first 5k and like, people are going to be able to tell that I'm not a real runner. They're going to be like fraud, fraud, you know? (laughs) And then I looked around and I just, I saw ordinary people and I was like, wow, you know, maybe I do fit into this community. Um, Obviously there were the very fit athletic people who looked super intimidating. Um, But it was the same thing. My first marathon, you know, I, I, didn't feel feel like I really belong there, even though I'd put in the training. I felt like I was just kind of, you know, fake it till you make it kind of thing. And and I looked around and I saw these thousands of people who all had different stories and different backgrounds, but they were united by the fact that they had worked really hard to get there. And so I think, you know, the sooner a person can embrace their identity as an athlete and as a runner, the better they're going to be in in taking care of themselves and having that strong, healthy body and making the gains that they want to in their training. Um, because it all goes together. You know, we, it's, we have a lot of fears, a lot of anxieties. And I would say even, you know, not that I've ever been or will be an elite runner, I would say elite runners have to deal with the same kind of fears. And I think we often have this mentality that those people who we admire in running, 
you know, they're like a different breed than the rest of us. Like they don't deal with these fears and anxieties. But I think the difference is, is that a person who's successful in running or, or whatever area they have the goal in is that they, they systematically move toward their fear and they face that fear. And it's the process of, of working hard and not backing down from your goal and going about it in a smart way that you become a stronger and more resilient person. And, you know, that's, that's kind of what courage is. It's, it's not backing down in the face of that anxiety and fear and realizing that if you have that goal, you can make a way to make it happen and, and you can do it in a a smart and systematic manner. So sign up, sign up for a race that scares you a little, right? Like that (laughs) first marathon. And then, and then be serious about training for it. (laughs) We had a psychologist on the show a couple of years ago named Jeff Brown. He wrote the book, The Runner's Brain, and he's got a chapter called, um, I think, therefore, I am a runner, you know, kind of playing off the French philosopher Rene Descartes, I think, therefore, I am. And he says a lot of people don't see themselves as a runner because they don't have the typical, maybe, quote unquote, typical runner uh, body type or they're not fast. Maybe they're back of the pack marathoners. And so they don't want to, like, embody that identity or embrace that identity as a runner. He said, you start calling yourself a runner and thinking like one, then you become one instead of the other way around. We don't have to run a certain you know, number of races before we're um, coronated as a runner, right? <laughs> There's no ceremony that takes place. <laughs> she says, um, put, put things in your, your everyday life that remind you of your chosen identity as a runner. Put your running shoes in a prominent place. Hang up your medals. You know, have Runner's World magazine laying out, just little little things like that to in your environment to cue you to go on a run and to remind you of your identity. And it's at, if you identify as a runner, then you're more likely to go on a run because then you're just being uh, congruent with your chosen identity. Yeah, there you go. It's just you're being true to yourself. And yeah. I definitely agree. Like, I think behavior follows intention or mindset. Yeah. And so if you can change your mindset, then your behavior will soon follow. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, the intention for your marathon. And, And Angie, this is something that you were talking about before. Let's separate runners who just want to finish with runners who might have a performance or a time goal in the marathon. What's the major difference in training between these two distinct type of runners? Well, I tend to advise first-time marathoners, especially if they do not have a history in, you know, shorter distances, you know, if they haven't, um, don't have a long history in running, to look at that first marathon as primarily going the distance. So not to set challenging time goals for themselves, because I see a lot of people who, you know, tend to hurt themselves in training. And then just the whole experience is disillusioning because, you know, they didn't hit that four hour marathon or, you know, whatever time goal they've set for themselves. And so, you know, for a person who wants to finish a marathon, you really still need a lot of the same mentality. You know, like we talked about seeing yourself as a runner. And so doing those things to make you a successful runner, um, but also to, you know, not cut corners And then just basically uh, train for endurance rather than speed. Um, So, you know, the bulk of your running is going to be at an easier, a slower pace. Um, You know, you probably won't be doing a lot of speed work sessions as a beginning marathoner. 
Um, especially if you've never, you know, gotten up to the point where you've done a 16 mile long run or an 18 mile or a 20 miler. Um, you know, some of the other p- key pieces like strength training and nutrition and, and sleep are going to be the same, whether, you know, you're an experienced marathoner or whether you're a new marathoner, you really need to dial those in for your body. And I will say that everyone is unique. Everyone's an experiment of one. So, um, we see people coming to the marathon with a lot of different fitness backgrounds and different confidence levels too. You know, if, if you were an athlete previously who saw success in their sport, you know, they're going to have a whole different set of tools as someone who has never, you know, ever run a race before and is just beginning the whole process of wanting to become a marathoner. Um, but I will say, you know, it's all about just gradually increasing that distance in your long run, not trying to cram too much in. Um, and then, you know, appropriately, um, tapering before the race. That's another mistake I see people make. Sometimes they just try to like do their own training plan. And, you know, they think that every week has to be more miles and longer distance long run. And, you know, they're like, okay, well, my marathon's next weekend. And I just ran 24 miles this weekend. What should I do in the coming week? And I'm like, (laughs) you should have been tapering. Yeah. You know, there's nothing that you can do in the week before a marathon to improve your fitness, but the opposite is true. You can actually do a lot of things that are going to harm your race performance. Mm -hmm. So, you know, having the proper guidance and support from, you know, with a good training plan or a good, um, running community, who's going to support you in your own individual journey or having that, you know, good coach is, is going to be key. Um, so we tell people for your first marathon, just just have the goal of finishing strong and injury free and cross that finish line with a smile on your face. Yeah. Be proud of yourself, whether, you know, you, you got that secret time goal or whether it was slower than you wanted because (laughs) you're still a marathoner (laughs) you cross that finish line, whether you ran, you know, a sub three hour or a six hour and 30 minute marathon, you are still a marathoner. You still get the same medal. So, you know, you, you still need to be proud of yourself for the work that you put in. As soon as someone does their first marathon, they're always thinking, Oh, can I get faster at my next one? <laughs> yeah. So we, we do have a lot of, we do field a lot of questions or Angie does about running a BQ, setting a PR, getting faster. So we, we do talk about that a lot. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, you know, if you have a slow first marathon, that just sets you up for a, a better PR the next time, you know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's right. a strategy. It's like the, the, the golden lining to the, the cloud, perhaps if you have a slow first marathon is that's why my last marathon was so slow. I'm playing in a big <laughs> comeback. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's a really powerful way to set yourself up for success in the future, not necessarily sandbagging, you know, your, your first marathon so that, you know, the second one is almost by definition faster, but (laughs) putting yourself in a position to have a good experience. Let's stay healthy. Don't get injured, finish strong. Let's avoid the scenario where you're like sitting on the curb at mile 24, just crying and calling your mom, you know, let's try to avoid that at all costs and just have a good experience. Uh, and I think that is not just, based on your time goal, you know, maybe it's just a finish or maybe it's a very conservative goal, but also with the training before the marathon. So give yourself enough time, build up your fitness gradually, progressively, and in a very safe way. And you are going to get, you know, the title of marathoner. You're going to feel good about your training. You're going to feel good about your race. Your body is not going to hate you. And that's going to set you up to have a great performance later on in the future, whether that's a marathon or any 
other race. I think it's just going to keep you engaged with your training and just much more likely to tackle the next one, you know, with vigor. Exactly. And I think, you know, there are a lot of different goals for people running marathons, you know, back in the seventies, kind of the big running boom, you really didn't see, you only saw fast people running marathons for the most part. And so it's become way more of a social event. And, you know, so I, I think, you know, we, as we look at people and their goals for running the marathon, everyone should have the goal of, of having a strong and healthy race and a strong and healthy training cycle. And then, you know, whether you're training for a PR or, you know, to qualify for the Olympic trials, or you're simply trying to run a marathon in all 50 states, or you're doing it with friends or for a charity, you know, there's so many good reasons to do races and and marathons. Um, But, you know, there's so many key factors of having a successful experience, no matter what your goal is. So keeping that in mind is... It's really important. Oh, it's so rich. Uh, Such an amazing and transformative experience to put yourself through that process, especially if you are like a desk potato like I was and build up to your first marathon. It is a, we believe, a life-changing journey. And in the beginning, we talked about people, a lot of folks have gotten into running because they wanted to lose weight. And I can appreciate that, you know, getting a person into running But then you can go beyond that and you can discover that long distance running is this whole lifestyle that that you can do over a lifetime, really, because we've you know, we've we've been talking to people on our podcast in the the past who've been running marathons for 30 or 40 years. Just we we were able to even uh, interview Ed Whitlock of Canada before he passed away, who was like the set the many, many world records for for a master's runner or or a runner in his 80s. Right. Mm hmm. And, but we've discovered like, it's just an awesome way to see the world and travel. You know, Angie's done 52 marathons. We've traveled a lot of amazing places. Um, we've met some fantastic people and also challenged, uh, family members, not, not directly, but just by dint of our, um, example, we've seen other people get into running and get healthier. So just spreading inspiration and just a lot of side benefits that you wouldn't think of. Once you um, start running marathons, it reminds me of the saying, you don't stop running because you get old. You get old because you stop running. And yeah, I I I really love that quote. And, you know, I I also just remind me, you know, of all the things in my life that have happened because of running. You know, I met my wife on the cross country team in college. And so now my and also my job is as a running coach and my life would be extraordinarily different if I didn't make that seemingly minor decision way back in 1998 to stay on that cross-country team in high school. And so if that can give anybody listening here a little shred of inspiration to stick with their training, to get through those early morning, dark, cold, or hot and humid runs when they don't really want to, (laughs) you never know what running might give you in the future. And I think that is... Uh, not only exciting, but I, I think it's just something that, you know, I think hopefully any, anybody can experience. Yeah, that, that's an awesome point. And you never know who you're going to inspire along the way, too, because, you know, I don't believe in like preaching and, and being like confrontational about, you know, or being evangelistic about necessarily marathons. You know, I think we think they're a great thing and life changing, but we don't pressure people to run marathons or anything. But, you know, just by your example of trying to live a healthy lifestyle, of being fit, of 
all the opportunities of, you know, as, as a, as a runner, long distance runner, you know, it's no big deal. Like someone wants to go on a hike. Yeah, let's, let's go hiking. You know, you have that baseline fitness to take on challenges and, and live life to the fullest. So that's, you know, that's one thing that's really exciting. It makes a lot of things seem a lot easier. That's for sure. Definitely. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's also like when a family member wants you to move all their boxes. They're like, look, I know you run marathons. You can help me for a few hours. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like, oh, I've got a race coming up. I can't hurt myself. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I have a long run the next day. Sorry. <laughs> all right, guys, this is a good good place to, to stop. Thanks so much for, for coming on and talking about the marathon. I love the marathon. It's such an interesting event. And you guys really lent uh, such a helpful perspective to it. So I hope our our beginner runners, our marathon hopefuls, and maybe even our veterans got some some helpful information out of this podcast. And before we go, where can folks find out more about you guys and your work and what you're doing to help runners? Yeah, um, well, it's been a great honor to be on your show, Jason. I appreciate letting us uh, talk to you. We've we live over at marathontrainingacademy.com. And our podcast is called Marathon Training Academy, and you can find us in iTunes or wherever podcasts are found. And we're just talking about all things marathons. Been doing the show for about eight years and still going strong. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I love it. All right. Well, I hope folks check out MarathonTrainingAcademy.com and your podcast. If I'm not mistaken, I might be coming up on your podcast soon. So that's very exciting. Yeah, definitely. And uh, until then, thanks again for coming on. Okay, everyone, that was my conversation with Angie and Trevor from Marathon Training Academy. I'll have more information about them, their site and podcast, and notes from this episode at Strength Running, so don't miss out on the blog post for this episode on strengthrunning.com. And before you pause me for today, one more quick suggestion. If you have a marathon question or issue or problem, then I'm here for you. Shoot me an email and let's chat. I'm more accessible than you might think, and my goal is to help you achieve your goals. So don't be a stranger. Thanks for listening, and I hope you have a great week of running. Until next time.